Last year, 2020, was a bad year no matter how you look at it. The pandemic started making birders stay close to home starting in late February or early March, but I'd had to start that on January 3rd when I had a heart attack. By March, I was getting terribly restless and anxious for spring migration to start kicking in. And fortunately, many birds obliged. My first robin showed up on March 16th, singing away, and within a day or two, others were singing here too. This year I saw and heard my first robin on March 17th, just a day later than last year, but this time around he just made some cranky robin calls at mid-morning and that was the last I saw of him. I didn't hear one singing at all throughout March, which was disappointing enough, but my friend Eric Brunkies had one singing in his yard less than three miles away for a couple of weeks now, and when he told me about it, he didn't just say it was singing, he said it was caroling, evoking enough loveliness to stir envy. But finally, on April 2nd, a couple of robins started calling from tall trees in my yard, and come morning on the 3rd, one was singing away. I set out a couple of my bird baths on Saturday, and one male was soon drinking and bathing. Robins have been an essential part of my life for as long as I can remember. I could see them in my grandpa's yard in Chicago, and when we moved to a little working-class suburb in 1956, they became an everyday presence, running on our lawn, calling from shrubs and trees, and singing from our elms and maple trees. I didn't necessarily recognize their song the way I did the Cardinals' song, I think because I taught myself to whistle an imitation of the cardinal song, but the robins was just too complex for a child, or indeed any mere human, to do a credible job. Every now and then I run into a person who says he can do a great robin song, but it's always a pale imitation of the real thing. The larynx in birds is vestigial, just a slight thickening in the trachea without any muscles to produce sound. Birds have a far more advanced vocal apparatus called a syrinx, located where the trachea bifurcates into the bronchial tubes. Those three branches provide three sites for sets of muscles that can be controlled independently to produce harmonies with the bird's own voice. Except for gasps and a very few other sounds, all our human vocalizations, talking, humming, whistling, our own imitations of birdsong, are produced as we exhale. Birds can use and control their syrinx as they breathe in and out both, not pausing for breath as they sing. The robin song sounds like long sentences composed of two and three syllable words, and it has lovely overtones that we don't necessarily notice, but that enrich the sound. I had never thought about those overtones, and so as my high-frequency hearing diminished, I didn't realize I was losing them until I got hearing aids in 2015. Suddenly, Robin's songs were so much more beautiful again, just the way I'd been hearing them as a child and young adult. 
One of the mercies of our fading senses as we age is that it's such a gradual process that we don't usually notice what we're missing. But as my eyes suddenly were seeing vivid colors untinged with the dingy browns and yellows after my cataract surgery, so my ears were hearing vivid robin song with those rich high-frequency overtones once I got my hearing aids. I like knowing something of the biology and natural history of birdsong, but I don't know of a scientific explanation for what happens in my heart when I hear that first robin song of spring. This is the 70th spring I've been on this planet, and somehow that most ordinary, predictable, everyday sound that I've heard every one of those 70 springs, a sound you can still hear in big cities, in genuine wilderness, and in many habits in between, still has the power to enthrall. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.